Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Now, pretty much everyone knows interest rates have started their journey to higher and higher levels. Fasten your seatbelts as we now have a foundation in place for a continuing rapid increase, particularly in the long-term rates, which will impact mortgage interest rates at a time when housing prices have already steeply appreciated. Housing is a local market, but mortgage rates are a national market, so the collisions dead ahead can be expected to drop housing prices unevenly, but nevertheless drop housing prices. Recessionary conditions will hit the lower income earners first, and importantly, the first time home buyers. Ultimately, the ripple effect will impact most local markets from lower income to higher income families. Today, this podcast, as some of you have requested, will provide insights, perspectives, and updates relating to residential housing, which in addition to providing our own lifestyle foundation, represents the largest asset and financial commitments for most all families. Over the past several weeks, U.S. mortgage rates continued their near-vertical ascent, risks jeopardizing the housing boom. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate has jumped a staggering 177 basis points this year. That's uh, almost 2%, reaching the highest since the first quarter of 2010. And now across the United States, it's fairly common to find fixed rate mortgages above 5%. And just at the beginning of the year, we were looking at rates a bit above 3%. So these changes have happened very rapidly. And if we look at a long period of time from 2018 to all through 2021, the interest rates dropped on the mortgage 30-year rate from about 4.5% all the way down to a little bit under 3%. So this is a very rapid change and it's at a new high versus the past 10 years or so. Worth paying attention to. The massive rate move this year suggests the affordability index will see another significant move lower. Strangely enough, further strong home price gains will add to the affordability issues. Bank of America currently related that they expect a 10% appreciation across the country in case Schiller home prices this year largely due to a continuation of the historical supply-demand imbalance. But get ready for some major changes toward the end of the year in this area. Supply could further decline as existing homeowners, who account for more than 40% of home sales, get what I would call locked in, which means they bought or refinanced in recent years, and they would face much higher mortgage costs in addition to a higher new home price if they were to trade up. Bottom line, less housing supply may counterbalance declining demand, so near-term, prices may remain stronger. But that is not saying that they will remain stronger much more than the end of this year. Housing affordability tends to lead the trajectory for existing home sales by roughly six months. According to Bank of America, the higher rate shock suggests affordability will be down more than 25% this quarter. That's the here and now. And that's a record decline in affordability, with additional downside coming from higher home prices. 
If demand for homes follows a similar trajectory, existing home sales could fall substantially in the second half of this year. And that would actually be a record plunge in affordability over the past 20 years. The rapidity of which this is happening is, well, it's a little bit scary, actually. There are likely some offsets. Uh, Bank of America also listed strong income growth and strong household balance sheets. Favorable demographics, shifting preferences due to remote work, or even a pull forward in demand given expectations of even higher mortgage rates. However, all that merely justifies the plunge in affordability, and the risks are that U.S. consumers are getting hammered from the growing stagflation. In any case, B of A expects overall existing home sales in the last part of this year to pull back about 10% to 2020 levels. Then the issues really begin. The good news is, if you're a homeowner, and actually, if you plan to become a homeowner, fairly soon. Despite the upcoming record plunge in housing affordability, on a historical basis, housing will remain historically affordable for those who are pretty close to qualification now. Mortgage rates used to be much higher once upon a time, bouncing around 6% during the housing boom era of the early 2000s. That's sort of a slight positive, but a major problem is that the barriers to entry are becoming the highest they've ever been from the perspective of affording the down payment, which is typically the biggest financial hurdle for first-time homebuyers. Again, the bottom line, some who had previously qualified at a 3% mortgage rate are no longer able to buy at a 4% rate, and even more will be shut out of the market at today's close to or above 5% mortgage rate. And by the way, I should mention that even the adjustable rate mortgages have gone up very substantially. And as the Fed pursues its policy of tightening, they influence the short end of the interest rate curve. They are particularly effective in the 30-day, the 60-day, and the near-term treasury bill, treasury even for a little bit far out, five years to the treasury note rates. So the short-term interest rates, again, as you know, if you've been following the interest rate curve, the short-term rates are getting very close to the long-term rates. And this is really called an interest rate inversion, particularly when the two-year, the five-year, the 10-year, the 20-year and the 30-year rates are all about the same. And we have cases now day-to-day where the 10-year rate is even greater than the 30-year rate. So it might minimize the long-term interest rate increases. Sorry to say that the same issues are going to be on the short end. So adjustable rate mortgages, some of them adjust on as short of a 30-day or a one-month treasury bill. Many adjustable rate mortgages have been in the past, adjusting at the London Interbank rate, which has been largely replaced. But many of the rates are not going to present affordable opportunities, even if the adjustable rate mortgages or the short five-year fix is opted for in a mortgage application. Just a heads up. Last and most important, the median one-family existing home price related to the median family income, that ratio, reached a new high of 4.1 at the end of 2021. And that has surpassed the previous high at past peaks of, and even the housing bubble that we went through about 10 years ago. So this ratio, which is another indication of affordability or lack of affordability, is, is at a historical high.
And I don't want to leave out rents. And as you know, rents have been going straight up. We've covered this in past podcasts. But over the past year, the Zillow Observed Rent Index increased by 14.9% year over year to $1,904 a month in January. The Russia-Ukraine conflict threatens to add further hiccups to the housing market, with materials prices being pushed higher. Lumber prices have soared over 47% over the past year and are only 10 to 15% below the all-time peak. Russia is one of the largest lumber exporters in the world, which, with sanctions, will pressure prices higher. They're also a major producer of metals such as aluminum, copper, nickel, and these prices have been heading higher and much higher over the past year. So given these extraordinary supply challenges, Bank of America expects home prices to stay hot at about 10% through this year. And that's, as I mentioned before, despite the record plunge in housing affordability. I may be inadvertently calling a high in the housing prices, but 2022 will likely be the high watermark on this cycle for the U.S. housing market. We'll see. Realtor.com reports new listings last week rose 8% from a year ago. This comes after four consecutive weeks of annual declines in listings. There is still a housing market shortage as active inventory for sale is down 13% from a year ago. But this could reverse very quickly as more supply is added. Seasonal trends usually show new listings peak around May, so we don't have long to wait. As more supply comes online and soaring mortgage rates spark an affordability crisis, in a separate report, Redfin notes that sellers are lowering their asking prices. About 12% of home sales had a price drop during the four weeks ending April 3rd. That's a 9% increase compared to the same period a year ago. The rate of sellers dropping their asking prices is accelerating. Price drops are somewhat rare, but the fact they are becoming more frequent appears to be a clear sign that the housing market is cooling even now. Realty.com and Redfin could be some of the first evidence the housing market is leveling off as a rate shock could produce more turmoil in the second half of this year, which I expect. Following B of A a little bit further, their economist Alex Lynn recently discussed with clients the fact that housing affordability is at the lowest level since 2007, which, as you know, was about a year before the housing bubble imploded in the last housing cycle. So what does this affordability shock mean for actual home prices sales in the coming recession? According to Lynn, housing affordability tends to lead the trajectory of home sales by about six months. So the question is, given the smoothing of the data and delays in the Case-Shiller data series, what happens next? Maybe mortgage rates provide some ideas. And if we were to visualize, I apologize, I can do this. I have a chart right in front of me. But the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-city composite home prices for the 15 to 20 years I'm looking at is closely reacted to the ups and downs of the mortgage rate. In the past several months, we have had a record increase in the mortgage rate, which I mentioned before. The Case-Shiller Index, because of the lag I mentioned of a number of months, has yet to show this, but this increase in the mortgage rates has been so substantial that the drop in the housing prices should be very noticeable beginning later this year. 
we'll end up with a reminder of some really important economic relationships. And these relationships are supported not only by a lot of the economic research in the business schools, but just looking at the data of past economic cycles. First of all, inflation is a key determinant not only of our lifestyles, but our investments and the real estate cycle. And it's going to be a dominant theme from now on through next year, maybe longer. For example, the Consumer Price Index is running at a 40-year high and will soon be officially reported in excess of 8% a year. Actually, the report will take place between the time I made this podcast and the time it's posted. So we'll see. I expect the CPI index reported for the month of March to be well in excess of 8%. Actual inflation, which I include house prices, which the CPI does not include, I include house prices, rent increases, food increases, transportation, even including new and used cars, as well as fuels. I noticed at a Costco over the weekend that an Acura was priced at $10,000 above its manufactured suggested retail price prior to a uh, Costco discount which I think was $1,500. But now the new cars, many new cars, are having $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 price increases because of shortages. So the actual inflation that has been occurring for the past year, and particularly in the past few months, I believe is way above the official 8% CPI number. The impact of trade sanctions, which so far has hit agricultural goods, raw materials for manufacturing, Fuels, not only for cars, but for ships and airplanes and so forth, will create more shortages and even higher prices throughout this year. Wage price increases are appearing all through our economy and expected to continue and grow. With prices climbing week to week, month to month, credit risks as well as consumption dropping is pretty much of a lock. And as icing on the cake, the U.S. government continues to spend far more than it takes in, with the Federal Reserve acknowledging they will not only continue to print money, they will not only stop continuing to print money to buy the majority of this new debt, but will actually sell their government securities acquired over the past several years. We'll see if they actually can do that without generating a really severe recession. So all in all, We are in the beginning of a new recession, in my view. Please consider many of the suggestions we've made in this and prior podcasts and think about the perspectives and the insights that we've offered and how you can avoid the most negative impacts from them. Take care, be careful, and be attuned to lowering family financial risk. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. 
For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.